This is CliffCentral.com. Good afternoon. It's a Thursday at one o'clock, which means it's time for another edition of Between Two Femmes. Hello, hello. How are you doing this afternoon? Uh, Weza from the gentleman by choice said to me, because I'm wearing this long flowy dress, and he said, oh, he said, oh, you look, you look like spring. And I said, yes, I feel like spring. Ah, don't you just love this time of the year? Winter goes away. Uh, the birds start chirping. Like summer, my Bali. Oh, do you feel like summer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> now listen, um, Aspasia Karras. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say that. No, no, you know I'm what, it's sorry. fine. because No, no, that's okay. Because while I'm here in the studio in Johannesburg, there you are, laying on a beach with the sun, uh, leaving a golden glow on your skin, as I imagine you're dressed in a very high-fashion bikini with a very big sun hat and a cocktail in hand. Somewhere <laughs> on an island, somewhere in Greece. Very, yes, yes. <laughs> did I? Did I? I just... am, but it's a very, very interesting uh, situation right now in, on this island because every day about a thousand Syrian and Iraqi pack, uh, refugees arrive. Oh, that is a big problem um, that uh, that a lot of European countries are dealing with right number. now. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Literally ten, and you see them. So you go for your morning run, yeah. and you see people just straight off the boat. It's fascinating. But now tell and me, bad really? I mean, tell me, but is, we can talk about it when I get back. Well, okay, that's fine. I mean, I just wanted you to tell me if that means that there's a lot of tension in the area with you no, know with local no, people feeling angry. None at all. They just walk into town. It's as if, like, I mean, obviously they 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 they're very well briefed, and so. They come off the the boats, which they've taken from Turkey. They pop the boat um, so that essentially um, they have to be rescued, which, they, they you know, they're, they're just too many of them to be rescued. They just basically drive onto a beach and then walk into town. And then at in town, the Red Cross is there, and, and, and they basically immediately – process the people and put them onto boats to Athens because they don't want to stay here. They they want to get to Germany. And somebody told me they want to get to Finland. Uh, I was like, Finland, really? Like, that's that's your ultimate aim? I mean, it was kind of crazy. It's a big problem because you've got uh, thousands of people losing their lives, getting onto these very unsafe uh, boats, trying to leave the continent. No, 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 they're not. That's why they're coming via Turkey now okay. to the Greek islands because... It's the safest route, so people aren't really losing their lives. They're losing their lives on the off the Italian coast right. because this they come is, from Libya there. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, let's not distract ourselves. We digress. We have a big, we have a big job today. Yes, we do. <laughs> should we start with the women's news, Aspasia? We should. I just want to say one thing before the women's news, which mm. is that I've been uh, participating in this project called the Edgar's Piece of Me project, and it's uh, with a whole lot of other you know, people who gave their genes um, to this project. And basically, uh, they've designed, they got Craig Jacobs of Funduzi to design this beautiful dress, which is being auctioned online right as we speak. It started, the auction started this morning. And it's a charity Twitter auction. So basically, you go online and somebody started it off with about 600 rand. I think that was the opening bid. And now every incremental bit thereafter is 200 rand, and the money goes to the SOS Children's Villages, which is they do such an amazing job. 
And the dress is so cute and interesting. And so this is the idea of recycling your jeans for, and, and some of those jeans have a really amazing story. <laughs> so I'm highly recommending that people go online, see the story, see the new piece of work, and um, the story usually bid. starts. The story usually starts in the dressing room where you're struggling to get the gym <laughs> over your bum line because you're just you've just let yourself to go in winter. But you know what? I digress. All right, Aspasia. Let's, let's do the women's. Let's news. get into the women's news. Um, okay, well, let me start with a story about Julianne Moore, Oscar-winning actress. She's absolutely mm-hmm. fabulous. Now, she has launched and is heading a petition uh, because she wants to get the name of her high school changed. Now, she went to high school in Virginia, and her high school was mm. named after a Confederate general. And Julianne Moore says that it is unacceptable that in 2015, um, you have a high school that is named after... You know, a man who essentially was against every other race group except the white race, you know, white supremacists. Yes. And today... What is it named after? What was the Confederal General called? Um, let me let me track down the name over here. His... Uh, okay, hang on. <laughs> the name of the school is J.B.E. Stewart High School. Mm. Um, and she attended the school back in the late 70s. And uh, her and uh, a friend of hers, a producer friend, Robert Cohen, who both attended J.E.B. Stewart High School, they've now started this petition. Um, up until yesterday, they'd already garnered uh, 30,000 signatures online. So that was very wow. fast. Yeah. You know, and they're basically saying, change the name of the school because it's named after somebody who is no longer representative of the kind of society that we want to associate with as Americans. It kind of reminds um, me of our hashtag roads must fall situation. Yes. It's, it's well, along, it's and along the what? same lines. And, and a positive story on a positive note, the names of the Joburg inner city have been changed to also, or are in the process of being changed to reflect the women who marched, um, you know, the women who we celebrate on Women's Day. So I think there's Lillian Ngoy, um, Ruth First, it's it's very interesting, and I think this is an excellent project. Absolutely. Sometimes now, that's y- what it takes. It's a symbolic act, but it's an important symbolic act. Now, I've got a symbolic act for you, All right. which I found quite shocking. Do it. Now, you remember old Kenny Kuneni's Tushi ladies? I do. Was it Kenny? Uh, yes, 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 yes. He would eat sushi off, off uh, naked women in his... Um, was it his club? club? All up in the club. Was it in a club or was it <laughs> his club? I think it was his club. Ah, it was I, his I club. can't remember. Who cares? So now an Australian club thought, that, well, I don't know if they'd read about Kenny Kuneni's sushi, but they decided to launch the cruise bar in Sydney with um, a similar concept. Mm. They laid a whole lot of lovely ladies out on uh, tables and covered them in fruit. Strategically placed fruit. Um, of course. And this has caused a huge, of course, as one does. It's always strategically caused- placed. <laughs> they were, they were strategically placed. They were also like, you know, wearing panties. I've observed the pictures online for people who were concerned about, you know, eating the fruit. Right. There afterwards. But 
Um, it has caused quite a, a, a storm, as you can imagine. Absolutely. Because obviously people are delighted um, that this sort of thing is going on everywhere. Also in Australia. And I thought <laughs> it was... At least look, we were feeling kind of special in our own uh, look, I think, bar context. Look, I think whenever there's a, a, a naked woman somewhere on display, I think most people are going to be excited and happy about it. It's just the way <laughs> that things are, Aspasia. But let me tell you about um, an interesting article that I came along, uh, came across. It's about how scientists have basically noted something, but they say that the problem is they can't figure out why this is. And what they've noted... Mm-hmm. Uh, through observing thousands and thousands of, of uh, men and women. What they've noted is that first-born men and women, have uh, m- they are more likely to end up being overweight, and they're also more likely to yeah. end up uh, contracting dis- diseases like diabetes or end up with heart problems. And this is something that scientists say that they've noted, but they don't have an explanation as to why that is. And this is coming from experts from the University of Auckland in New Zealand, uh, uh, researchers in Sweden, also in America, all of them noting this trend and saying, we don't understand why that is, but it's definitely the case. So I was just thinking... I'm very worried because I'm a firstborn. Where, where do you come in? <laughs> no, but, but you look fantastic. Um, I'm the last. I'm That's the... because I'm running to meet the Syrian and uh, <laughs> refugees every morning. I'm the last of three. And you know what? Um... Yeah, my older sister, she did have a weight problem. And my Ooh. brother had like a cholesterol issue. So I don't know. I thought it was just interesting that they've noted this. But at this point, they're saying, we're going to try and figure out why that's the case. Because it's a little bit strange. And they're trying to figure out exactly why that's happening. But there you go. Huh. Very interesting. Okay. Even more interesting, no. Aspasia, is our guest <laughs> joining us this afternoon. She's in the studio with me right now, so let's get straight to it. Good afternoon, Kirsten Goss. <laughs> Thanks, Mabali. Aspasia, I can't Hello, believe uh, your cheeky maneuver. I spotted you on Facebook yesterday saying something about Greece, and I wanted to write back and say, no, 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 no. <laughs> Nowhere near the Grecian islands. You're interviewing me tomorrow. I thought I'd be dropping you in it. But I see but we've we got te- technology. Yeah, we well, technology. For the for the te- the technophobe like myself, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> we call it yeah. What did we say? Skiath or Skype? Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, I tell you, anything to get onto an island, I'm I'm with you. It's a better place to be. (laughs) Well, good afternoon, Kirsten, and thank you for joining us this afternoon. You are, of course, uh, famously known for your uh, brand of jewellery, among many other things that you that you do. Oh, many other things. Well, I wonder, are we talking things. about those today? <laughs> and uh, I've, I've got to tell you, ladies, because yesterday I had the privilege of being part of a panel which was organized by Young Business South Africa. And it's about hmm. inspiring the youth of this country to become more business-minded and to become entrepreneurs because, you know, evidently that's what's going to save us in this country. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's appropriate that we've got you in here, uh, Kirsten. You're an entrepreneur. You're, you've launched a franchise which is now successful. And international, right? Thank you, Mabali. That is, do you do epitaphs as well? <laughs> so, you know, why, why are you feeling that um, you might be close to the next? Um, well, you're life. in Greece. I'm thinking paradise. <laughs> okay, okay. But I mean, I see, uh, I see where this thinking is coming from. No, no, she, she's, she's just given me far too much credit. Here, oh, Mabali. okay. All right. Well, you know what? Then let me then stop doing the talking and let you do the talking. So take us back to the beginning, Kirsten, because. 
you launched uh, your brand in the UK, is that correct? That is correct, for my sins. (laughs) (laughs) Were you living in the UK at the time? Yes, I was, I was. Never one to try and take the easy road for, and that definitely when I come back after my epitaph's been written, I'll probably come back and do it just slightly differently. <laughs> anyway, it's been interesting. Right. But uh, essentially, the idea was to, to, to try and create, um, a brand of jewelry that represented a completely independent, um, notion of, of wearable jewelry rather than something that was more classic and, mm. and re- mass produced. And I was in London at the time. I'd worked for sort of probably the best uh, costume jewelry designer in the world in terms of fashion jewelry, which gave me a huge eye-opener after finishing up at Stellenbosch with a very academic kind of degree, which was very, you know, three months on one ring. And suddenly you thrust into the fashion industry where you've got sort of Nadia Oberman and Alec Wick walking down the, oh, the, wow. the ramp for um, Emmanuel Ungaro the next night and you're still there till three in the morning gluing sequins onto something. Wow, you know? and, yeah. and I realized this kind of juxtaposition of aesthetic versus um, the, the, the need to be able to produce things fairly commercially. So it was a great... Um, Bridge between the academic, yeah, learning curve exactly. Something you don't pick up in your in your degree, and then and then while I was in London, I thought grab the gap and actually do something um, over there. And then if I ever end up living here, I've got something in in an international kind of capacity and something I can draw on forever, even if I do stuff in South Africa, which I now have. Yes. Yeah. So now tell us, uh, you, you, you posted a snap on Instagram this morning about you, the fact that you were wearing one of your first rings. I thought that was quite auspicious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wore a superwoman just, ring. I, I, wore, just, I immediately thought, that's superwoman. Oh, is, is it a superwoman ring? I mean, describe it to us. You know, I've already had Jacques Micho phone me direct and say, get me that Superman <laughs> ring immediately. Oh, so goodness. he's calling it Superman. Um, I'm sticking with Superwoman. This is between two fans. Let's just like exactly. If you could see how the two of us could drink champagne, we need rings like this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We can like chuck it back. Well, this is right. It's got a multitude. A a multitude. A better term for chucking. Look, what I will tell you. We can. We can. You know. It's got enough surface area to balance things on. Anyway, I digress. It, 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 the whole idea is I've always enjoyed the irreverent, quirky, playful aspect of wearable jewelry, but with this sort of notion that it has been crafted magnificently. So no corners cut in terms of materials and uh, quality and finish, but the whole idea of it being a Superman ring and the, the notion that it's kind of lucky packet throwaway irreverent is quite fun. So... Even with our diamond collection we are launching now, I just thought it's quite funny I'm wearing the two rings together because we've come full circle in terms of now doing very precious fine jewellery. But the whole emphasis with the design is always something conceptual, irreverent, fun, light-hearted. Why do we always have to wrap our heads around the fact that a diamond means remortgaging the home and having something that's literally a, a security <laughs> issue? Yeah. Mm. I, I just feel that there's an, you know, diamonds can be for every day. Precious things can be for every day, but it's the consideration of the design, the concept, the whole fun aspect of life. I mean, so transient fashion and yet there are things that are really kind of quite iconic that you can crystallize in cool materials and have them forever. Kirsten, you often hear stories about creative people who try and make it in a, in a different country, in a foreign country. You know, they try and make it in the U.S. or in London, 
And then they come back and they say, oh, well, it didn't work out. It was too competitive. It was too difficult. So I do think that it is interesting that you launched in the UK and then it was that it, well, it was a success, obviously. But what I want to know is, do you think that it was easier or was it more difficult for you launching in the UK as opposed to perhaps coming back home to launch it here? Yeah, it's so interesting. But I think um, one of the, probably one of my greatest assets is that I am so naive. I'm like Forrest Gump. <laughs> which, has, which has worked in your favor, I, I see. Well, I always say, don't think too much about it. Just get out there and go out and do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because if you overthink it, it's fear all the time. And no one that starts a business has an easy time of it. Whether you do it here, in the States, in England, wherever you are living and mm-hmm. working and you start something, it's going to be tough. Mm. I wasn't at the time in England necessarily considering any other options. I lived there. I worked there. I'd been banking. I'd done a whole bunch of things. And I was, for all intents and purposes, going to be there. So, yes, it's tricky because you've got no no dad, mum, any of the connections that you kind of make in this country, which seems to keep the economy rolling here. So that part's quite hardcore because you're just a nobody um but it's also exciting because there's a volume of people there's so many people that appreciate your work that maybe because i was doing quite an intellectual kind of jewelry at the time it was actually easier to find people that kind of got it and so they kick-started things for me and also the south africans that are based all over the world Mm. seem to be so interconnected that they really did help me get off the ground and words of mouth you pitch up in New York or Paris or anywhere and generally South Africans come eking out of the woodwork and they've all got a mate who's from wherever they come from wherever they may be so it's um it is odd and it definitely didn't make it easy having to be there and coming back to South Africa and commuting back and forth but at the same time I think it was very exhilarating and it definitely got attention you know it, it's something that I think perpetuated itself just by virtue of it being an unusual story um, I think I think we've lost Island Girl on Skype well when yeah. the Kaiparinas All right, are calling well, you know what uh, Spongile is going to try and help us get her back so that shouldn't be a problem but in the meantime um, now le- let's talk about getting a business established because you yeah. know there are a lot of people with great ideas yeah but the struggle seems to be moving from the idea to then implementing it now totally. i mean take us through your process what did you have to do daily uh physically emotionally in 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 all ways what did you <laughs> have to do to implement your idea from it just being a concept to it being this tangible thing which now exists and that's working for you what was your implementation process I can tell you that the the greatest key, and it sounds hackneyed and cliched, but it is just grind. You need to have a good appetite for lack of sleep. You need to be able to understand that it is going to be a 24-7 endeavor. It's not something people think when you're an entrepreneur, you've got your own business, that you're going to be spending time lounging around in the Greek islands. Uh. <laughs> just a little example. Um, and, uh, and, and it isn't. It's, it's, it really is a very, it, there's, there's not going to be, well, very few people are going to have a big reward before two years is kind of been rolling. Uh, that is the truth. And sometimes longer. So I think, you need to have a very good accountant and somebody who's handling your business matters because before you know it, you've rack, racked up a stack 
of stuff that is so hard to unwind. And my greatest advice to anybody is make sure you keep on top of that stuff. The VAT, the accounts, all of that stuff, it's so dull. And I've never had a great appetite for that. I've just handed it over. You, 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 just, it. you just knew what your strengths were and then you just delegated. Make sure you yeah. hone in on those bad boys yeah. because let me tell you, it is <laughs> 90% business and 10% about the type of business. And cool. that's, that is really the key. Okay. You, people think I stroll around just designing and flying and l- at glamorous events. Well, this is the thing. It, it all sounds very Don't glamorous. Don't we just chug back all the champagne? Sorry. <laughs> well, I do. I, what I was actually going to say is people think that and it is the truth. I right. mean, that's my life. I just roam around. It's just one party <laughs> of the next. It's just a good <laughs> life. And we all hate you for it. No, I'm joking. Uh, truly, I would say to anybody, resilience is really the key. You're going to get knocked down, side-swiped, pushed backwards, X, Y, and Z. You just have to know that if you have good intentions, you have done your homework, you know you believe in your product, you really have priced it correctly, you understand your market, and you've got someone keeping the goals for you in the finance department. Yeah. (sighs) That's a big one, that one. It racks up before you know it. And staff, they come on board, HR issues. The stuff is hardcore. Oh, you've got to manage people. Jeez. You've got to manage their feelings. I'm telling you. Oh, feelings, you say. <laughs> Only if you have a heart, really, Mabali. There's so many feelings out there. Feelings. <laughs> Flying mm. around. Yeah. But here is my question, uh, Kristen. Um, how, how do you also create a brand? Because, I mean, you've, you've created something that is unique and it's so much tied up in your personality. Like, I feel when I look at a Kirsten Goss ring or a Kirsten Goss necklace, it, it, it shines with like little bits of like you, your personality. How do you do that? Shame, those poor people wearing a bit of me A little cagey. Um, Espasi, that's really actually a huge compliment. Thank you. I feel like, um, don't sell out is probably what I could say. Mm. If you do it quietly, it's this whole slowly, slowly catch a monkey. I've probably been quite conservative in terms of growth, made sure I didn't go into a mall. I made sure that I stayed on the, on the sort of sidelines and made sure that the every move that we made, we asked the same question. We don't, we always want to be, you know, classic with a twist, classic with a twist. So make mm-hmm. sure that at every question you get asked, anyone that wants to work with you, anything you want to do, it's true to the brand. Don't be diluted trying to run and do a million things. I would love to design a shoe collection, sunglasses, cutlery, you name it. There's mm. a bunch of stuff I'm still going to do down the line, but okay. get the brand established so that people believe it. Because if you go and put your name on something that they already believe, they're more likely to go and believe in that as well. But a lot of people, I think, rush at a whole bunch of different things yeah, and they don't ever yeah. really get established and understood as one thing. I've got a whole bunch of stuff that probably if I had to make it, people would go, holy man, oh God, I'm not entirely certain what that is. Yeah. And I realize that there's going to be a time for that. And, and you need to actually mature so that there's an opportunity to do something where people can take you really seriously. And it's tempting to do it earlier on, but sometimes that can be, I think, dilute the brand, make it a little bit difficult to understand. So just keep trucking on what you do. If you're selling vintage linen, just sell vintage linen. Don't sell soap mm-hmm. and everything else with it. Just go for vintage linen. Right. And then get that estab- yeah. established. So we make, we make br- what they call bridge jewelry. So it's precious materials. We don't use base metals and we don't use fake stones and we don't use subquat. Uh, and then the, in the precious, we only use one quality of diamond. 
top quality GH white diamonds and 8 and carat gold. No client can come to us and say, we want you to make us a ring and get it cheaper so we can use horrible diamonds. We say no. So what, was there a strategy behind that decision and what was it? It's belief again. Yeah. So that if you come in, Mabali, and you buy a diamond from us, it's the tiniest pinprick or it's the biggest, fattest bad boy. Yes. It's the same quality. So the people lend trust that that's always what you're going to get out of the brand. Mm. And trust is really building a brand. If, if you know you walk into a shop that you, you, you trust, you'd buy anything. The cost isn't really the issue because you already know they've mm. considered everything. But if you go in and you lowball people, or you do things all the time that kind of just make them distrust you, I think that's when you can be a very questionable brand. And then once you've created the brand, uh, how do you then set it apart from other brands? Because unfortunately, we live in a time where our attention span is exactly like yeah. 0. 0.0. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, people get distracted very easily. Mm-hmm. So then, how do you set your brand apart? But I find covering myself in fruit really helps me with <laughs> concentrating. You know what? <laughs> I, you and I, you have issues. <laughs> yeah. Wearing, wearing a scorpion suit through the malls. Placed in strategic instance. places on your body, I'm sure. Yeah. Strategic places. Strategic places. Well. Like on my head, a banana, then I can concentrate more. <laughs> Well, this would be working for the Greek economy right now. This is, this is what we've seen. This is what we've seen from Australia, from our friends in Australia. And isn't it helps it, with the female concentration. And but it, anyway. isn't it the most difficult thing in the world, separating your brand from everybody else's so that yours sticks out? You know, this is the constant thing. I just, I, I feel like people are so nervous. People are like, oh my God, Kirsten, that person's copying you. And this one's doing it. And I've seen that at Woolworths and blah, blah, blah. And you just go... It doesn't matter. Just uh-huh. go forward, forge on, come up with new ideas. Don't get your mind crazy with that stuff. I don't look at other people's things. I don't walk into other shops and snoop around. You just have to keep digging and working hard at your design and make sure you come up with new stuff. Just keep going. And it's actually, a, it, that is the biggest, I guess, because I'm hopeless at yoga and meditating. But I guess <laughs> this is probably my yoga meditation moment where I can focus on what we are doing next as a brand rather than worrying about what's going on in the zeitgeist of people trying to copy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just use your energy and channel it in the right place. And then it generally works because you are always coming up with something new mm. to go ahead and push. Which is marvelous, actually. Um, well, I must uh, give credit to the Stellenbosch University Department because I can tell oh, you yeah. that training and design. That's what, it, that's what you studied. It's almost like they put some kind of turbine on in my brain and it's just like perpetual. It just never, ever stops. And, <laughs> it, and, and that is really the thing. If you've got an idea, it, that is the, the, the emperor. It's the king thing to keep on with the ideas. And if you've got a good team, then that can actually be manifested in new collections and new exciting strategies and things. Kristen, did you tell us a bit about uh, Missy Baba and how you guys decided to go into the retail space together? Because I also think that's like a really inspiring part of the story. Yeah, Just like- totally. Well, it all came about with Chloe coming over to do a show in our shop in London. We had a cute little boutique and uh, Chloe's godmother was a lady that worked at Christie's, who an amazing lady who we ended up being part of an auction with Dylan Lewis. It was a whole funny story how that all happened. Mm-hmm. And Chloe and I had both been in the Bombay Sapphire campaign. And the next thing, we were like, oh, God, we've got all these connections that are the same and blah, blah, blah. And I said, come and do a show in our shop in London. And while we were there, 
this amazing opportunity in Bree Street came up and it was the first mm. time I'd found the right address in Cape Town in like five years of looking. <laughs> but of course it was a gargantuan space compared to what I had been used to in London and Joburg at that point. We had those two shops. Yeah. And I said to Chloe, you know, you've never done retail. The shop is in the prime spot in Bree Street. We have to have it. What about taking half of it? Because it's it's kind of a Georgian squat terrace building, so it worked well on that one door but two sides. Right. You know, together but equal but separate and all that story. And she was like, okay, let's do it. And it's the, the rest is history, really. We've had so much fun having the space together. We then opened Johannesburg together. And, you know, the energy of having the same ethos, because we both hand-make and hand-produce mm. in South Africa, both women we're both absolutely deranged we've got a lot of the same <laughs> humor and fun and and we, we we actually just all gel and work so well together so the synergy when people come into the store it's that whole idea of retail experience you can buy anything with it with a credit card these days mm-hmm. you don't have to be in any part of the world to get what you you need and your hands on so the last unique selling point as it were is to have a beautiful retail experience. And I think the whole Missy Barber KG collaboration is that there's energy, there's color, there's vibrancy. And what the biggest thing, which we all grabbing, grappling for nowadays with luxury having lost its luster with mass production, is the handmade original ethic of master craftsmanship. So that's like in both the brands. So it's quite a cool thing for tourists and Locals are like to come in and actually feel that they're buying something that has so much depth. It's not just the pretty picture. Kirsten, let me let me wrap it up with this. Mm. Let's let's take a look at where you are now and then maybe you can share with us what's coming next in your immediate future and then also long term because you know you did mention all these other things that you do want to do. Mm. So move us from from the now to the immediate future and then the the very long term future. Well, I'm doing quite a few really cool projects with film at the moment. Oh. So, so um, I have an amazing, amazing boyfriend that is a, a, a fantastically creative film director. And he and I are working together, putting cute, really short fashion films together to kind of get deeper into the essence of what it is that drives us so that it's just another dimension really into the brand. And then the idea of doing... Well, we've been speaking to the V&A, it's the first one, but to do a really amazing concept-style store with jewelry and and launch a new retail-style experience within a more commercial context. So bringing people into the fold, making jewelry feel like it's something that you really need to consider more. It's not just a little sparkly thing. It's like there's sophistication, there's academia, there's so much within that that realm. And I think with film... And this other dimension and, and the, the three-dimensional object, the whole kind of collision of that is what I'm kind of concentrating on at the moment. <laughs> well, it all sounds very creative and very exciting, and it looks like you're enjoying every last second of it. So, <laughs> Well, it's, it's islands for some, and it's film studios for others. You know, the hard, the hard daily grind for some, as, as it would seem. Kirsten Goss, thank you so much for joining us for this afternoon. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Lots of love, Aspasia. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I will see you soon. Try, absolutely. Try not to hate those islands too much. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is Between Two Frames on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com. It's Between Two Frames right here on cliffcentral.com. Remember, you can always get in touch with us. You can message us straight through to our WeChat account. It's cliffcentral.com. Uh, or rather just at uh, Cliff Central, actually, on WeChat. Uh, you can tweet us to at cliffcentral.com. Um, yes, Aspasia, are you still there? 
I'm here. I'm here, my buddy. Well, you know what? We're going to. I was enjoying that song. (laughs) We're going to keep uh, in line with the conversation of talking to successful businesswomen who have done impressive things and are running empires and are an inspiration. In my favorite industry. Yes, of course, absolutely. I'm going to. I'm going to allow you to introduce our next guest because I realize that you and Kirsten have this this friendship thing going, and I suspect Ah. that I suspect that you and and the next guest might also know each other well as well. I could be wrong. But why don't well, you go ahead and do it? This is the lovely Nitsa Komninos Rose, who is the MD, am I right, Nitsa, of oh, the Tiger sorry, sorry, of, of the brand group. Co- correct. That's, that's me. How are you, Aspasia? I am fine. I'm fine. I'm sitting here on Samos Island. <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you how jealous I am. <laughs> oh, yes. When are you coming back, Aspasia? I'm coming back next Thursday, so that's why I won't be on the show next Thursday, and neither will you, Mabs. So we're going to have to, we, we're giving advance warning to all our dear, dear friends yeah. that, um, yeah, next week we're giving it a skip because I'm flying the whole day. Sadly. All right. But okay. Well, you know what? Again, we digress, and this is this seems to we be. Are, a, we, we are very digressive. This, I think this it might seems be to be our weakness. Now, see. Now, Nita, I mean, we, we're talking to inspirational, successful women who yes. are, who are doing great things. Thank you. And you being the MD of, uh, of Brand Group, I mean, I, I'm sure that to get to that level takes quite a well, bit of work. Describe <laughs> to us what the, 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 the various parts of Brand Group, because that's what's particularly delightful. Right. There's Tiger of Sweden. Yes. Tiger of Sweden. Berger Mickelson. Correct. There's uh, Ordning and Redner. <laughs> there's Nina. Jar- I mean, it's like, it's the Scandinavian invasion. It's the Scandinavian invasion, and we have a love for all things Nordic. And Brand Group International are the exclusive distributors of all these fantastic brands. And it was a vision that uh, was created about 10, more than 10 years ago, 15 years ago, between myself and my partners to to bring this wonderful lifestyle into South Africa and to introduce South Africa to the Scandic way of life. I think it's interesting because, you know, if you if you are fashion illiterate like I am, (laughs) you kind of you kind of just go on what the rest of the world is talking about. And usually when they talk about the fashion capitals, it's usually Milan, Paris, New York. So it is interesting that you're bringing the, the Nordic scene into South Africa because then otherwise, I don't think a lot of people would be aware of it otherwise. Hey. That's true. And I think traditionally you always think of those cities as being, you know, the, the pinnacle of fashion. But Scandinavia has become a, a global brand in itself. You know, design out of Scandinavia is something that is dearly sought after and, and looked to um, all across the world for their aesthetic and, and the way they design things, their craftsmanship, their attention to detail. So I think today Scandinavia is becoming a, is has become a power player in the world of design, be it in, in, in architecture, of course, they're so good at that, in fashion, mm. in, in food, mm. in, the, in the gastronomy. So they are becoming the leaders um, across the world. Now, tell us what attracted you to those Scandinavians in the first place, <laughs> other than their like, intense good looks, which is just wrong. Other than frankly. the intense good looks, the beautiful <laughs> cities, the wonderful scenery, um, the list is endless. You know, especially it was really by default in a way. In another way, it was it was a calculated decision. Um, I had been in trend forecasting and had started seeing um, – 
this kind of streetwear that was coming through and being recognized by these trend fashionistas and Scandinavian or Stockholm was a, was a really a key destination for, for the way fashion was moving in terms of new trend. Um, and then we, we, my partners and I decided that we wanted to do something, you know, ourselves get into our own business, always in fashion because I'm a born and bred fashion girl. Um, I'm third generation fashion. And um, mm-hmm. we kind of stumbled upon this fantastic brand out of Denmark, um, and it's not a brand that we run today, but that was really the start, the catalyst of, of our love and our recognition that we wanted to bring something different to South Africa and in a, in a style aesthetic that, that South Africans weren't used to. Because remember, at the time, and, and even you know up to a couple of years ago, the, the, the main kind of fashion brands in the country were the Italian or the American or the British. So we wanted to bring a little bit of a different taste to fashion. Now, if you look at the South African man and you compare him to the, <laughs> I'm going to be nice, I promise, and you compare him to, you know, men from, the, men from the rest of the world, how would you say that the South African man uh, compares to those of the rest of the world when it comes to fashion specifically, to putting in the effort to, you know, in, into your appearance and to making sure that you, you go out and you seek the best and you want to look the part I mean, how how do these men fare in in your experience? They fare fantastically, yeah. and I think that the South African man today is highly fashion conscious. Mm-hmm. He's a global citizen. He understands what's going on through the web. I mean, on social media, and I think you'd be surprised at how how much care the South African man takes in terms of how he dresses and how he grooms today. He wants to be fashion forward, and sometimes you know he's he's a lot. He's he's a very practical shopper. Mm-hmm. You know, he goes for things that he, he that he needs, but he's he takes a lot of risks. In fact, I think that the South African man and the South African male consumer is much more of a risk taker than the women are sometimes. Oh, it's true, it's true. <laughs> but they, I mean, and this is, uh, I, I suppose, we're discussing the South African man because uh, a large part of the success of uh, Tiger of Sweden is caught up in the joy of its tailoring and suits right. for men. Right. You know, they, they, they are really quite delightful, let's be frank. Well, you know, Tiger of Sweden introduced what, what they call it, what is called a different cut. And it, it was a decision that was taken in the 90s to take the suit out of the bank and into the street. And what that meant was that Tiger of Sweden created a suit that a guy can wear from work to the club and to be so comfortable yet look so good that he can even go to sleep in the suit. <laughs> so so it, it was really about introducing the world to a different cut. And that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, uh, because it's slim fit and it's that Swedish aesthetic that it's uncomfortable. It's actually the contrary. The, the, the type of fabrics that are chosen make the suit super comfortable to wear. Nita, I'll ask you the same question that I asked. Even in heels, I have to say. I mean, I know this is controversial to mention that campaign. <laughs> but we put uh, Gareth into a Tiger of Sweden suit. Yeah, uh, and, he, well, actually, he was wearing his own, but then he spotted it on the on the rail and was terribly in love with it. Um, and, and it was precisely all those reasons that you're mentioning that you'll even be comfortable in heels in the suit. Absolutely. But, <laughs> but, absolutely. But remember, we're a tailoring brand for women too. Yes, so, you know. yes, yes. No, that's why I'm raising it, okay. that there's a lot of black <laughs> business opportunity there for ladies. For sure, for sure. <laughs> now, um, let me ask you the same question that I asked Kirsten, which is that of um, separating your brand from the rest. Mm. Because, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough environment out there with, with the line of work that you do being in the fashion industry. Absolutely. What is your approach to setting your brand apart? Well, you know, the first thing is, is besides having a fantastic product, you've got to understand where you want to go. 
and what your objective is. And once you've recognized your objective, you've got to figure out how do I get there. And what will make us stand out from the rest of the market, and it's really very simple, it's offering our customers great service. It's being 100% appreciative and honored and humble about the fact that people want to come into our store and spend money. And I think that if we can be, we can show that appreciation back to our customer in the way that we make them feel the experience that we give them, the service level that we, that we put forward. I guess that's what, that's what makes us stand out. But I mean, it's a highly competitive industry and, and, and you're surrounded by new up and coming brands every day, brands that are reinventing themselves, reviving themselves, you know, and, and I guess it's always looking at, at yourself with a critical eye and saying, you know, how can I be better today? What can I do to improve? And, and the worst mistake is, is the complacency. I think what happens with businesses today is that you become comfortable and you stop caring about the little things and you need to always care about the little things to make yourself get better and be better every single day. In a nutshell. Such as, what are the little things? <laughs> you know, the little things are, are really caring about your customers. They're caring, caring about what they want. The little things are about recruiting the right staff and having the right trained professionals on your sales floor. I mean, selling clothes can be highly technical. You know, you've got to understand your product. So you've got to put a lot of training behind your staff, empowering them that they feel confidence um, in what they're mm. selling. And, and it's about, you know, just taking care of the day-to-day running of the business because sometimes those money mundane things add up and become really big things and then you start losing focus on why you're there. And we're a service industry at the end of the day. We're selling a product and we're offering a service. So those are the, maybe they're not little things, they're actually quite big things. But when you start breaking them down, you know, they become the day-to-day runnings of, of the business. But for us, I mean, our values and our core values is, is just to really ensure that, that everything that we do every day is, is absolutely to the best standard that we could possibly be. You know, we don't focus too much on our competitors or what's around us because then you also lose sight of, of why you're there. So it's just making sure that we fo- keep our, our eye on the ball and we focus on, on what we're good at. Well, yeah. you're hearing the themes here, Mabali. We could, we could run a little business seminar ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Retail 101. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Focus on your own knitting. <laughs> you know what I've noticed? I'm is learning that so much. It's like an MBA 101. <laughs> You know what I've noticed is that uh, the word innovation almost seems to be like the trending word at the moment when it comes to entrepreneurship and running a successful business. Everybody wants to be innovative. They want to think outside the box. They want to come up with the next brand new idea so that it can separate them from what everybody else is doing. Uh, How important is innovation in your line of work? Because it almost seems as if this is the area where innovation could actually, you know, you could play around a lot more with this word and just come up with fantastically outrageous and creative products. I think for me, you know, innovation is really about inspiration. And I'm inspired by people that have taken you know, a product, a single product, and through their innovation have built empires. People like, you know, to, uh, Tori Birch with her ballet pump or Dana von Furstenberg with her wrap dress or Kelt Mickelson, mm. you know, thinking about and being, insp- you know, having the, the, the thought process to combine a, a Scandinavian aesthetic with a, an Indian aesthetic. And that for me is, is, is more, it's more about looking at what these people have done and being inspired by them. And I suppose they set the mark and the benchmark and on, on what we want to achieve. But I mean, we have, we are nothing without innovation. And, and that is, those are the people that, that create, you know, and set the tone and set the trends for the future. So every day is about being innovative. And innovative is not only a creative process. You know, it's only, not only about being artistic or being a creative designer. Innovation is, by, is, is being able to look at a problem and find a really good long-term solution. So innovation is, is around us all the time. 
Yeah. Um, I was thinking about um, the fact that uh, how do you find, uh, you know, I was reading an article about the Syrian refugees that I was telling my buddy, mm. I see them every day. Mm. Uh, a thousand of them are landing every every day on the island, and then yeah. they move on. Right. And in the New York Times, they followed them on this journey, and they were, like, amazed by the fact that people were wearing the women. Mm. were looking – they didn't look like how you think, well, they're refugees. They've come all the way from Syria suffering. They were – they looked well put together. And I thought about the power of clothes. And, in fact – the fact that these people, this is what it will give them respect in society now. This is all they've got, what mm. they're carrying on their backs and their iPhones. Right. And the fact that they would want to look really well put together for their next journey. I just, I, I found that amazing. So I'm thinking innovation. You should probably, like people should be innovating clothes that will take you anywhere. <laughs> on your journey in life And I think that's so interesting that you say that Because you know one of the, the pillars to Scandinavian design Is that clothes should enhance your life They design, everything that they design Should be an enhancement And, and, you know, and, and, and isn't it humbling you know? And for me it is when, when people just you know, Want to buy the brand Because it, they feel it elevates their status in life And they feel better about themselves And, and for me if, if you can just make somebody feel better um, You've already achieved something and it's not always about spending a lot of money to make them feel better. It's just maybe a simple item that they put on their back that just makes them feel better today about being who they are. And that's what I love about fashion as well. It, it can completely change your attitude and your mindset. So I, I think it's, it's, it's amazing that these, these people through the hardships that they're enduring still think about these yeah. things. Well, yes, because it was you had to come up with an outfit or two that will take you <laughs> on this journey of life. And quite literally. The modern gypsy, right? Walk it is quite, the modern it's gypsy. quite fascinating. I don't know. Exactly. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be in that position. but And I feel quite lucky that we can have this conversation. Now, tell us how many um, stores have you guys opened? Because you are just like busy, you know, and taking when, over the retail space across the and whole And when and where nation. are you opening the next store? Because that's, that's bound to come soon. Well, we, 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 at the moment, we've got, uh, I don't think we're taking over. We, maybe that's our, our plan, but thank you for that. Um, we've got, we've got it's the Scandinavian takeover. Yeah, you know, it's the, I might it's, add, all these people keep on telling me that they're going to Scandinavia, so they've got the message. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. It's, it's the silent kind of takeover that we're doing. Um, as I say, we've got four stores at the moment, four Tiger of Sweden stores. Um, uh, one in Cape Town and three in Johannesburg. And we've launched recently Dayburger Mickelson, which you are familiar mm -hmm. with. It's uh, in Hyde Park. So that's our fifth store. We also have a beautiful uh, luxury Swedish gifting and stationery brand called Ordning at Rieda in uh, Santon. And then, of course, we are looking to grow. You know, we, we, we are working on another few stores in the, in the new year. Um, going out to the Mall of Africa. So we're very excited about that development and, and can't wait to introduce our brands to the little bit north of Joburg, our, our uh, Pretoria-Johannesburg commuter. And then some exciting things to happen that uh, in the next year, flying a little bit south in Europe. Um, but Ooh. you will be the first to know, I suppose, yeah? When it happens. Oh, excellent. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> now, you, 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 you refer to it as a silent takeover. Yeah. But I mean, what has been the, first of all, the global response to the Scandinavian aesthetic and design and all of that? And then 
Also, what has, been, what has been the response here at home in South Africa? Well, I think just the way Tiger are expanding internationally at the moment has shown us that the brand is being really appreciated and, appreciated and understood globally. And I think that's the, the first step to the success of the brand. You know, they conquered the Nordic countries very successfully for over a 100 years, and then they decided to expand. And they're now, um, you know, across Europe, UK, west and east coast of, of the States, um, and in Canada. So, so they are, they are growing substantially as a global brand, um, always keeping their, their DNA and their aesthetic with the view that they are never going to be everything to everybody, but always something to somebody. And, um, I think we have actually played a, a little bit of a role in their growth. Um, I think for us, for them, South Africa was a, a very interesting prospect, but nothing that, not a place that they'd ever considered going into. Um, and when we, when we started, you know, working with them and we bought the brand in six years ago, um, I guess in a way it was an interesting experiment from their point of view. And for us, it was a, a life changing decision and, and not so much an experiment, but more that, more of a, a life investment, um, f- for myself and my partners. And the results and the, the, um, the growth of the brand has been mind-blowing. And I think that then proved to us that we had made the right choice. Um, we have a, a wide demographic of customer. We have a luxury customer. We have a, a you know, a new, uh, a newly graduated, you know, professional that's coming to, to get their first suit. We've got young guys and girls that have, or uh, that are, especially guys that have convinced their folks to, to buy them a, a tiger suit and suit for them, a trick dance. We've even got little youngsters for their bar mitzvahs coming in trying to fit oh, into sweet. one of our suits. So, so we are really, we are really thrilled and, and again humbled by the amazing response to the brand. Well, Nitsa, we are thrilled that you came in and joined us this afternoon. Thank you very much for your time. Unfortunately, Aspasia, well, Aspasia, is our you, time up? It's, it's that time, baby. It's, it's that time. Uh, Aspasia, no. you will let us know when the next store opens because evidently you're going to be the first one to know. So, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 you in will, the know. I'm in the know. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Nitsa Komnenos Rose. Thank you for having me. MD of Brand Group. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Aspasia. And thank you, Aspasia, Island Girl. No, thank you, my buddy. Sure. Stop having fun and just come back home already. We miss you. I'm coming. I'm coming (laughs) next week. Uh, Thank (laughs) you for joining us on Between Two Femmes. We'll be back again with you next week right here on cliffcentral.com. This is cliffcentral.com.